Love what you hear? Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, and even our D&D adventure. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. Where we produce and develop the highest quality gaming research in podcast form. I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Derek Baker. And today we're talking about a cult classic turned Microsoft purchase turned second edition that received great praise. And we're going to be talking about the Schaefer Productions from Double Fine Productions of Psychonauts. Yeah, another Tim Schafer project. Excited about this one. Weird little game, weird looking little game, but one of those games that sticks out, I think, for its uniqueness. It was, because you figure this is in 2005. This is the heyday of the brown and gray shooters. Call of Duty, you've got a couple of Halos coming out. You've got Medal of Honor, Battlefield. It's this whole era of Xbox developing into the 360, the PS2 going to like, PS3, PS4 era stuff. So it's right in that middle of it. And it's one of those ones that was such a huge passion project for Tim Schafer, actually see the light of day. And then for him, you know, 16 years later, giving him a second one, um, spoiler, but giving him a second <laughs> one was, was such a, a really great find and such a great project that Microsoft, you know, put out. Absolutely. So let's hop into it. Psychonauts is a 2005 platform video game developed by Double Fine Productions. The game was initially published by Majesco Entertainment for Microsoft Windows, Xbox, and PlayStation 2. In 2011, Double Fine acquired the rights for the title, allowing the company to republish the title with updates for modern gaming systems and ports for Mac OS X and Linux. Psychonauts follows the player character Raz Putin, or Raz, a young boy gifted with psychic abilities who runs away from the circus to try to sneak into a summer camp for those with similar powers to become a psychonaut, a spy with psychic abilities. He finds that there is a sinister plot occurring at the camp that only he can stop. The game is centered on exploring the strange and imaginative minds of various characters that Raz encounters as a psychonaut in training or a psychodet to help them overcome their fears or memories of their past, so as to gain their help and progress in the game. Raz gains use of several psychic abilities during the game that are used for both attacking foes and solving puzzles. Psychonauts was based on an abandoned concept that Tim Schafer had during the development of Full Throttle, which he expanded out into a full game through his then new company Double Fine. The game was initially backed by Microsoft's Ed Freeze as a premier title for the original Xbox console, but several internal and external issues led to difficulties for Double Fine in meeting various milestones and responding to testing feedback. Following Freeze's departure in 2004, 
Microsoft dropped the publishing rights, making the game's future unclear. Double Fine was able to secure Majesco as a publisher a few months later, allowing them to complete the game after four and a half years of development. Despite being well-received, Psychonauts did not sell well, with only about 400,000 retail units sold at the time of release, leading to a severe financial loss for Majesco and their departure from the video game market. The title was considered a commercial failure. Psychonauts has since earned a number of industry awards, gained a cult following, and has been considered one of the greatest video games ever made. Following the acquisition of the game, Double Fine's republishing capabilities and support for the modern platforms has allowed them to offer the game through digital distribution, and the company has reported that their own sales of the game have far exceeded what was initially sold on its original release, with cumulative sales of nearly 1.7 million as of December 2015. A sequel, Psychonauts 2, was announced at the Game Awards in December 2015, and it was released on August 25, 2021. Double Fine Productions Incorporated is an American first-party video game developer of Xbox Game Studios based in San Francisco, California. Founded in July 2000 by Tim Schafer, shortly after his departure from LucasArts, Double Fine's first two games, Psychonauts and Brutal Legend, underperformed publishers' expectations despite critical praise. The future of the company was assured when Schafer turned to several in-house prototypes built during a two-week period known as Amnesia Fortnite to expand as smaller titles, all of which were licensed through publishers and met with commercial success. Schaefer has since repeated these Amnesia Fortnites using fan voting mechanics to help select and build smaller titles. Double Fine is also credited with driving interest in crowdfunding in video games, having been able to raise more than $3 million US dollars for the development of Broken Age, at the time one of the largest projects funded by Kickstarter, and more than $3 million for the development of Psychonauts 2. The company continued to build on its independent developer status and has promoted efforts to help other, smaller independent developers through its clout, including becoming a video game publisher for these titles. Double Fine has also been able to acquire rights to remaster some of the earlier LucasArts adventure games, including Grim Fandango, Day of the Tentacle, and Full Throttle. The Double Fine website is also host to seven webcomics, which are created by members of Double Fine's art team and are collectively referred to as the Double Fine Comics. Microsoft purchased the studio in June 2019. Now, when it came to the development of Psychonauts, it was the debut title for Double Fine Productions, a development studio that Tim Schafer founded after leaving LucasArts following the decision to exit the point-and-click adventure game market. Schaefer's initial studio hires included several others that worked alongside him on Grim Fandango. The backstory for Psychonauts was originally conceived during the development of Full Throttle, where Tim Schaefer envisioned a sequence where the protagonist, Ben, goes under a peyote-induced psychedelic experience. While this was eventually ejected from the original game, for not being family-friendly enough, Schaefer kept the idea and eventually developed it into Psychonauts. While still working at LucasArts, Tim Schafer decided to use the name Raz for a main character because he liked the nickname of the LucasArts animator, Razmig Raz Mavilion. When Mavilion joined Double Fine, there was increased confusion between the character and the animator. The game's associate producer, Camilla Fawson, suggested the name Rasputin as a compromise. Double Fine's lawyers suggested that trademark name 
Rasputin with a Z, which was used for the game. Most of the game's dialogue and script was written by Schaefer and Eric Walpaw, who at the time was a columnist for the website Old Man Murray. After establishing the game's main characters, Schaefer undertook his own exercise to write out how the characters would see themselves and the other characters on a social media site similar to Friendster, which Schaefer was a fan of at the time and from where he met his wife-to-be. This helped him to solidify the characters in his own head prior to writing the game's dialogue, as well as providing a means of introducing the characters to the rest of the development team. To help flesh out character dialogue outside of cutscenes, Schaefer developed an approach that used dozens of spoken lines by a character that could be stitched together in a random manner by the game as to reduce apparent repetition. Such stitching includes elements like vocal pauses and coughs that made the dialogue sound more natural. Schaefer used the camp and woods setting as a natural place that children would want to wander and explore. The game's mental worlds were generally a result of an idea presented by Schaefer to the team, fleshed out through concept art and gameplay concepts around the idea, and then executed into the game with the asset and gameplay developers, so each world had its own unique identity. One of the game's most famous levels is the Milkman Conspiracy, which takes place in the mind of Boyd, one of the patients at the mental hospital who is obsessed with conspiracy theories. Schaefer had been interested in knowing what went on inside the minds of those that believed in conspiracy theories, inspired by watching Capricorn 1 as a child. During a Double Fine dinner event, someone had uttered the line, I am the milkman, my milk is delicious. Which led Schaefer to create the idea of Boyd, a milkman bent on conspiracy theories. Schaefer then worked out a web of conspiracy theories, wanting the level to be a maze-like structure around those tying that into Boyd's backstory as a person who had been fired from many different jobs, partially inspired by a homeless person that Double Fine occasionally paid to help clean their office front. Schaefer had wanted the 1950s suburban vibe to the level, as it would fit in with the spy theme from the same period. Artist Scott Campbell fleshed out these ideas, along with the featureless G-Men modeled after the spy vs. spy characters. Peter Chan came up with the idea of vaulting the suburban setting into vertical spaces to create a maze-like effect, which inspired the level designers and gameplay developers to create a level where the local gravity would change for Raz, thus allowing him to move across the warp setting that was created. The level's unique gameplay aspect, where Raz would need to give specific G-Men a proper object, as in point-and-click adventure games, was from gameplay developer Eric Robson as a means to take advantage of the inventory feature that they had given Raz. Schaefer had wanted Woolpaw to write the lines for the G-Men, but as he was too busy, Schaefer ended up writing these himself. The art design crew included background artist Peter Chan and cartoonist Scott Campbell. Voice actor Richard Stephen Horvitz, best known for his portrayal of Zim in the cult favorite animated series Invader Zim, provides the voice of Raz, the game's protagonist. Initially, the team tried to bring in children to provide the voices for the main cast, similar to Peanuts cartoons, but struggled with their lack of acting experience. Schaefer had selected Horvitz based on his audition tapes and ability to provide a wide range of vocal intonations on the spot providing them with numerous takes to work with. Raz was originally conceived as an ostrich, suffering from mental imbalance and multiple personalities. 
Tim Schafer killed the idea because he strongly believes in games being wish fulfillments, guessing that not many people fantasize about being an insane ostrich. DoubleFine created a number of internal tools and processes to help with the development of the game, as outlined by executive producer Caroline S. Murdoch. With the focus of the game on Raz as the playable character within a platform game, the team created the Raz Action Status Meeting, or RASM. These were held bi-weekly, with each meeting focusing on one specific movement or action that Raz had, reviewing how the character controlled and the visual feedback from that so that the overall combination of moves felt appropriate. With extensive use of the Lua scripting language, they created their own internal Lua debugger nicknamed Dougie, after a homeless man near their offices that they had befriended, that helped to normalize their debugging processes and enable third-party tools to interact with the name. With a large number of planned cutscenes, DoubleFine took the time to create a cutscene editor so that the script writers could work directly with the models and environments already created by the programmers without requiring the programmer's direct participation. For level design, though they had initially relied on the idea of simply placing various triggers throughout a level to create an event, the resulting Lua code was large and bulky with potential for future error. They assigned eight of the game programmers to assist the level developers to trim this code and instituted an internal testing department to overlook the stability of the whole game, which had grown beyond what they could do internally. Initially, this was formed from unpaid volunteers they solicited on DoubleFine's website, but following the signing of the Majesco publication deal in 2004, they were able to commit full-time staff to this team. Now, there were some development and publishing difficulties, as Murdoch described the development of Psychonauts as difficult due to various setbacks, compounded by the new studio's lack of experience and how to manage those setbacks. The game's initial development began in 2001 during the dot-com boom. Due to the cost of office space at the time, DoubleFine had established an office in an inexpensive warehouse in San Francisco that initially fit their development needs. By 2003, they had come to realize the area they were in was not safe or readily accommodating, slowing down their development. With the collapse of the dot-com bubble, they were able to secure better office space, though this further delayed production. Schaefer was also handling many of the duties for both the studio and the development of the game. Though some of the routine business tasks were offloaded to other studio heads, Schaefer brought Ez Murdoch onto the project in 2004 to help produce the game while he could focus on the creative side. The intent to allow all developers to have artistic freedom with the game created some internal strife in the team, particularly in the level design. They had initially scoped that level designers would create the basic parts of a level main paths, scripted events, and the level's general design, while the artist would build out the world from that. As development progressed, they determined that the artist should be the ones constructing the level geometry, which the level designers resented. Subsequently, levels that were generated were not to the expected standards due to the conflicts in the tool sets they used and Schaefer's inability to oversee the process while handling the other duties of the studio. In 2003, the decision was made to dismiss all but one of the level design team and unify the level design and art into a world-building team overseen by Eric Robson, the remaining level designer, and who would go on to become the game's lead designer. The change 
which as Murdoch stated was for the better, disrupted the other departments at Double Fine. Psychonauts was to be published by Microsoft for release exclusively on their Xbox console. Schaefer attributes this to Microsoft's Ed Freeze, who at the time of Psychonauts' initial development in 2001 was looking to develop a portfolio of games for the new console system. Schaefer believes that Freeze was a proponent of pushing games as art, which helped to solidify Double Fine's concept of Psychonauts as an appropriate title for the console after the team's collected experience of developing for PCs. However, according to Ez Murdoch, Microsoft had also created some milestones that were unclear or difficult to meet, which delayed the development process. She also believes that their own lack of a clear vision of the ultimate product made it difficult to solidify a development and release schedule for the game, as well as created confusion with the publisher. Schaefer stated that Microsoft also found some of their gameplay decisions to be confusing, based on playtesting, and requested them to include more instructional information, a common approach for games during the early 2000s. While Schaefer and his team felt such confusion was simply the nature of the adventure-based platform that they were developing. Double Fine was also resistant to make changes that Microsoft had suggested from playtesting, such as making the humor secondary to the story, removing the summer camp theme, and drastically altering the story. Freeze departed Microsoft in January 2004. Shortly thereafter, the company soon pulled the publishing deal for Psychonauts. Esmerdoc said that Microsoft's management considered Double Fine to be expensive and late, which she agreed had been true, but did not reflect on the progress they had been making at this point. Schaefer also noted that at the time of Microsoft's cancellation, that they were planning on transitioning to the Xbox 360 and were not funding any further development of games that would not be released after 2004. Even though Schaefer had set an approximate release date in the first quarter of 2005 by this point, Microsoft still opted to cancel. Following this, Schaefer and his Murdoch worked to secure a new publishing deal while using internal funds and careful management to keep the project going. One source of funds that helped keep the company operational came from Will Wright, who had recently sold his company, Maxis, to Electronic Arts. Prevented from investing into Double Fine by the Maxis deal, he instead provided Double Fine a loan of funds that kept them afloat over the next several months. Wright is credited for this support within the game. By August 2004, Double Fine had negotiated a new publishing deal with Majesco Entertainment to release the game on Windows as well as the Xbox. Tim Schafer was quoted as saying, Together, we are going to make what could conservatively be called the greatest game of all time ever. And I think that's awesome. Though the publishing deal ensured they would be able to continue the development, as Murdoch stated, they had to forgo plans for hiring new developers to meet the scope of the game as agreed to with Majesco. Subsequently, the studio entered, as described by Esmerdoc, the most insane crunch I have ever witnessed in order to complete the game. This was compounded when Majesco announced a PlayStation 2 port to be developed by Budcat Creations in October 2004, which further stretched the availability of Double Fine staff resources. The game went gold in March 2005. Esmerdoc attributes much of the success of this on the solidarity of the development team that kept working towards this point. 
is Murdoch stated that Psychonauts took about 4.5 years to complete. Though that without all of the complications, the real development time was closer to two years. With a team of 42 full-time developers and additional contractors, with a final budget of $11.5 million. So as we know, despite all the setbacks, Psychonauts was eventually published, and it is a platform game that incorporates various adventure elements. The player controls the main character, Raz, in a third-person, three-dimensional view, helping Raz to uncover a mystery at the Psychonauts training camp. Raz begins with basic movement abilities such as running and jumping, but as the game progresses, Rasputin gains additional psychic powers such as telekinesis, levitation, invisibility, and pyrokinesis. These abilities allow the player to explore more of the camp as well as fight off enemies. These powers can either be awarded by completing certain story missions, getting PSI ranks during the game, or by purchasing them with hidden arrowheads scattered around the camp. Powers can be improved, such as more damaging pyrokinesis or longer periods of invisibility, through gaining additional PSI ranks. The player can assign three of these powers to their controller or keyboard for quick use, but all earned powers are available at any time through a selection screen. The game includes both the real world of the camp and its surroundings, as well as a number of mental worlds, which exist in the consciousness of the game's various characters. The mental worlds have wildly differing art and level design aesthetics, but generally have a specific goal that Raz must complete to help resolve a psychological issue a character may have, allowing the game's plot to progress. Within the mental worlds are sensors that react negatively to Raz's presence and will attack him. There are also various collectibles within the mental worlds, including figments of the character's imagination, which help increase Rasputin's PSI ranking, emotional baggage, which can be sorted by finding tags and bringing them to the baggage, and memory vaults, which can unlock a short series of slides providing extra information on that character's backstory. Most of these worlds culminate in a boss battle that fully resolves the character's emotional distress and advances the story. The player is able to revisit any of these worlds after completing them to locate any additional collectibles that they may have missed. Rasputin is given some items early in the game, one that allows him to leave any mental world at any time, and another that can provide hints about what to do next or how to defeat certain enemies. Raz can take damage from psychically empowered creatures around the camp at night or by sensors in the mental worlds. Due to a curse placed on his family, Raz is also vulnerable to water. If Raz's health is drained, he has respawned at the most recent checkpoint. However, this can only be done so many times while Raz is within a mental world, indicated by the number of remaining astral projections. If these are expended through respawning, Raz is ejected from the character's mind and must re-enter to make another attempt. Health and additional projections can be collected throughout the levels or purchased at the camp store. Now set. You are settings to crackle mode as we crackle, crackle, crackle around the campfire and talk about the story and where we are within the Whispering Rock Psychic Summer Camp, which is a remote U.S. government training facility under the guise of a children's summer camp. Centuries ago, the area was hit by a meteor made of Citanium, a fictional element that can grant psychic powers or strengthen existing powers, creating a huge crater. The Citanium affected the local wildlife, 
giving them limited psychic powers, such as bears with the ability to attack with telekinetic claws, cougars with pyrokinesis, and rats with confusion gas. The Native Americans of the area call Citanium Whispering Rock, which they use to build arrowheads. When settlers began inhabiting the region, the psychoactive properties of the meteor slowly drove them insane. An asylum named Thorny Tower's Home of the Disturbed was built to house the afflicted, but within 15 years, the asylum had more residents than the town did, and the founder, Houston Thorny, committed suicide by throwing himself from the asylum's tower. The government relocated the remaining inhabitants and flooded the crater to prevent further settlement, creating what is now Lake Oblonata. The asylum still stands, but has fallen into disrepair. The government took advantage of the Citanium deposit to set up a training camp for psychonauts, a group of agents gifted with psychic abilities by the Citanium used to help defeat evildoers. The training ground is disguised as a summer camp for young children, but in reality, helps the children to hone their abilities and to train them to be psychonauts themselves. Due to this, only those recruited by the psychonauts are allowed into the camp. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So now let's move over into some of the characters. And of course, we've talked a little bit about the protagonist and playable character named Rasputin Aquato, or Raz for short, who was voiced by Richard Horvitz, best known for Invader Zim. Raz is the son of a family of circus performers who runs away from the circus to become a psychonaut, despite his father Augustus's wishes. His family is cursed to die in water, and a watery hand called the Hand of Galochio attempts to submerge Raz whenever he approaches any significantly deep water. When at camp, Raz meets four of the psychonauts that run the camp. The cool and calculating Sasha Nine, the fun-loving Mila Vidello, the regimental agent, coach, Morceau Oleander, and the aged Mark Twainesque. Ford Cruller, said by Rasputin to have been the greatest leader the Psychonauts ever had, until a past psychic duel shattered Ford's psyche and left him with dissociative identity disorder. Only when he is near the large concentration of Citanium does his psyche come together enough to form his real personality. During his time at camp, Raz meets several of the other gifted children, including Lily Zanato, the daughter of the grand head of the Psychonauts, with whom he falls in love, and Dogen Bull, the grandson of one of the Psychonauts' founders who can communicate with animals and goes around with a tinfoil hat to prevent his abilities from causing anyone's head to explode. Raz also meets the residents of the insane asylum, including ex-dentist and brain surgeon Dr. Caligosto Lobato, as well as Boyd Cooper, a former security guard that holds a number of government conspiracy theories about a person known as the Milkman. Fred Bonaparte, an asylum orderly struggling control over his mind by a hallucination of his ancestor, Napoleon Bonaparte, 
Gloria Van Guten, a former actress driven insane by a family tragedy, Edgar Tegley, a painter whose girlfriend cheated on him, and Linda, the gigantic lungfish that brings campers to the asylum, are also characters in the story. Now, when it comes to the story, now we're going to crackle our fires even brighter, louder, and settle in. Because Raz, having fled from the circus, tries to sneak into the camp, but is caught by the Psychonauts. They agree to let him stay until his parents arrive, but refuse to let him take part in any activities. However, they do allow him to take part in Coach Oleander's basic braining course, which he easily passes. Impressed, Agent 9 invites Raz to take part in an experiment to determine the extent of his abilities. During the experiment, Raz comes across a vision of Dr. Lobato, an insane ex-dentist, extracting Dogen's brain, but is unable to intervene. Raz eventually realizes that the vision is true after finding Dogen without his brain, but the Psychonauts refuse to believe him. After receiving additional training from Agent Vodello, Raz learns that Dr. Lobato is working on behalf of Coach Oleander, who intends to harvest the campers' brains to power an army of psychic death tanks. Lily is soon abducted as well, and with both Agents 9 and Vodello missing, Raz takes it upon himself to infiltrate the abandoned Thorny Tower's home of the disturbed insane asylum where she was taken. Agent Cruller gives him a piece of bacon, which he can use to contact Agent Cruller at any time, and tasks him with retrieving the stolen brains so that he can return them to the campers. Raz frees the mutated lungfish Linda from Coach Oleander's control, and she takes him to safety across the lake. At the asylum, Raz helps the inmates overcome their illnesses, and they help him access the upper levels of the asylum, where Lobato has set up his lab. He frees Lily and restores Agents 9 and Vodello's minds, allowing them to confront Coach Oleander. The inmates subsequently burn down the asylum, allowing Coach Oleander to transfer his brain to a giant tank. Raz defeats him, but when he approaches the tank, it releases a cloud of sneezing powder, causing him to sneeze his brain out. Raz uses his telekinesis to place his brain inside the tank, merging it with Oleander's. Inside, Raz discovers that Coach Oleander's evil springs from his childhood fear of his father, who ran a butcher shop, being amplified by the Titanium. At the same time, Raz's own father appears, and the two dads join forces. However, he turns out to be an imposter, with Raz's real father, Augustus, appearing and using his own psychic abilities to fix his son's tangled mind and beat the personal demons. At the camp's closing ceremony, Agent Crowler presents him with a uniform and welcomes him into the Psychonauts. Raz prepares to leave camp with his father, but word arrives that the grand head of the Psychonauts, Lily's father, Truman Zanato, has been captured. Thus, Raz and the Psychonauts fly off, on to their new mission. The soundtrack to Psychonauts was composed by Peter McConnell, known for his work on LucasArts' titles such as Grim Fandango and Day of the Tentacle. Schaefer's familiarity with McConnell, having worked with him on numerous projects in the past, led Schaefer to select him for the soundtrack composition. The Psychonauts' original soundtrack featuring all the in-game music was released in 2005. The following year, in late 2006, 
Double Fine released a second soundtrack, Psychonauts original cinematic score, containing music from the game's cutscenes as well as a remix of the main theme and credits. The final US release date for the game on Xbox and Windows was April 19, 2005, with the PlayStation 2 port following on June 21, 2005. Psychonauts was re-released via Valve's Steam digital distribution platform on October 11, 2006. In June 2011, the original publishing deal with Majesco expired, and full publication rights for the game reverted to Double Fine. In September 2011, Double Fine released an updated version from Microsoft Windows and a port to Mac OS X and Linux through Steam. The new version provided support for Steam features including achievements and cloud saving. The Mac OS X port was developed in partnership with Steven Dengler's Dracogen. In conjunction with this release, an iOS application, Psychonauts Vault Viewer, was released at the same time, featuring the memory vaults from the game with commentary by Tim Schafer and Scott Campbell. With control of the game's rights, Double Fine was able to offer Psychonauts as part of a humble bundle in June 2012. As a result, the game sold well, with Schaefer stating that they sold more copies of Psychonauts in the first few hours of the bundle's start than they had since the release of the retail copy of the game. Later in 2012, Schaefer commented that their ability to use digital venues such as Steam that Double Fine made more on Psychonauts that year than they would have ever before. Although initially unplayable on the Xbox 360, Tim Schafer spearheaded a successful email campaign by fans which led to Psychonauts being added to the Xbox 360 backwards compatible list on December 12, 2006, and on December 4, 2007, Microsoft made Psychonauts one of the initial launch titles made available for direct download on the Xbox 360 through their Xbox Originals program. When Majesco's rights expired, the game was temporarily removed from the service in August 2011, as Microsoft does not allow unpublished content on its Xbox Live marketplace. Schaefer worked with Microsoft to gain their help in publishing the title under the Microsoft Studios name, and the game returned to the marketplace in February 2012. The game was added to the PlayStation Network store as a PS2 classic for the PlayStation 3 in August 2012. As part of a deal with Nordic Games, who gained the rights to Costume Quest and Stacking after THQ's bankruptcy, Double Fine took over publishing rights for both games, while Nordic published and distributed retail copies of all three games for Windows and Mac OS X systems. In 2016, Double Fine also released Psychonauts as a classic title for use with the PlayStation 4's emulation software. A sequel to Psychonauts has been of great interest to Schaefer as well as to fans of the game and the gaming press. Schaefer had pitched the idea to publishers but most felt the game too strange to take up. During the Kickstarter campaign for Double Fine's Broken Age in February 2012, Schaefer commented on the development costs of a sequel over social media, leading to potential interest in backing by Marcus Pearson, at the time the owner of Mojang. Though Pearson did not fund this, interactions between him and Double Fine revealed the possibility of several interested investors to help. In mid-2015, Schaefer, along with other industry leaders, launched FIG, a crowdsourced platform for video games that included the option for accredited investors to invest in the offered campaigns. Later, at the 2015 Game Awards in December, 
Schaefer announced their plans to work on Psychonauts 2, using FIG to raise the $3.3 million needed to complete the game with an anticipated release in 2018. The campaign succeeded on January 6, 2016. The sequel was released on August 25, 2021, and sees the return of Richard Horvitz and Nikki Rapp as the voices of Raz and Lily, respectively, along with Paul for writing, Shannon Campbell for art, and McConnell for music. Additionally, Double Fine has developed a VR title called Psychonauts in the Rhombus of Ruin for use on Oculus Rift, HTC Vive, and PlayStation VR. Released in 2017, it serves as a standalone chapter to tie the original game and its sequel based on Raz and the other Psychonauts rescuing Truman Zanato. The character Raz has made appearances in other Double Fine games, including as a massive Mount Rushmore-like mountain sculpture in Brutal Legend, and on a cardboard cutout within Costume Quest 2. Raz also appeared in a downloadable content package as a playable character for Bit.Trip Presents, Runner 2, Future Legend of Rhythm Alien. A cameo of Raz appears in Alice, Madness Returns, which can be found at the Red Queen's castle as a propped-up skeleton that bears a striking resemblance to the protagonist himself. Now, within all of this, despite Psychonauts earning high critical praise and a number of awards, it was a commercial failure upon its initial release. Although the game was first cited as the primary contributing factor to a strong quarter immediately following its launch, a month later, Majesco revised their fiscal year projections from a net profit of $18 million to a net loss of $18 million. And at the same time, its CEO, Carl Yankowski, announced his immediate resignation. By the end of the year, the title had shipped fewer than 100,000 copies in North America, and Majesco announced its plans to withdraw from the big-budget console game marketplace. Schaefer stated that by March 2012, the retail version of Psychonauts had sold 400,000 copies. Following Double Fine's acquisition of the rights, they were able to offer the game on more digital storefronts and expand to other platforms. As previously described, this allowed the company to achieve sales in a short term far in excess of what they had been prior to obtaining the rights. In August 2015, Steam Spy estimated approximately 1 million. 157,000 owners of the game on the digital distribution Steam alone. In the announcement for Psychonauts 2 in December 2015, Schaefer indicated that Psychonauts sold nearly 1.7 million copies, with more than 1.2 million occurring after Double Fine's acquisition of the rights. Double Fine lists 736,119 copies sold via the Humble Bundle, 430,141 copies via the Steam storefront, 32,000 on GOG.com, and 23,368 through the Humble store. Psychonauts received positive reception, according to Metacritic. Schaefer and Walpole's comedic writing was highly praised, as well as the uniqueness and quirks that the individual characters were given. Alex Navarro of GameSpot commented favorably on the bizarre cast of characters their conversations that the player can overhear while exploring the camp, and how these conversations will change as the story progresses, eliminating repetition that is typical of such non-player characters in platform games. Tom Bramwell of Eurogamer 
found that he was incentivized to go back and explore or experiment in the game's level to find more of the comedic dialogue that others had observed. The game was also noted for its innovations, such as the use of a second-person perspective during a boss battle. The game's art and level design, in particular the designs of the various mental worlds that Raz visits, were well-received. Jason Hill of the Sydney Morning Herald stated that each of the dream worlds is a memorable journey through the bizarre inner psyche of the associated character. Two particular levels have been considered iconic of the game's humor and style, the aforementioned Milkman Conspiracy and Lungfishopolis, where Raz enters the mind of a lungfish monster that lives near camp. In the lungfish's mind, Raz is portrayed as a giant monster akin to Godzilla that is attacking the tiny lungfish citizens of Lungfishopolis, effectively creating an absurd role reversal of the typical giant monster formula. The overall game structure has been a point of criticism. Some reviewers identified that the first several hours of the game are focused on tutorials and instruction, and are less interesting than the later mental worlds. The game's final level, the Meat Circus, was also considered unexpectedly difficult when compared to earlier sections of the game, featuring a time limit and many obstacles that required an unusual level of precision. On its re-release in 2011, Double Fine adjusted the difficulty of this level to address these complaints. Some found that the game's humor started to wane or become predictable in the latter part of the game. Gaming on Linux reviewer Hamish Paul Wilson gave the game an 8 out of 10, praising the game's creativity and presentation, but also criticizing several other areas of the game, including the large number of unaddressed bugs. Wilson concluded that Psychonauts has to be viewed as a flawed masterpiece. In 2010, the game was included as one of the titles in the book 1001 Video Games You Must Play Before You Die. The editors of Computer Games Magazine presented Psychonauts with their 2005 awards for Best Art Direction and Best Writing, and named it the year's 10th best computer game. They called the game a wonderfully weird journey high on atmosphere, art direction, and creativity. Psychonauts won PC Gamer US's 2005 Best Game You Didn't Play Award. The editors wrote, Okay, look, we gave it an Editor's Choice Award. That's your cue to run out right now and buy Tim Schafer's magnificent action-adventure game. So far, only about 12,000 PC gamers have. It was also a nominee for the magazine's Game of the Year 2005 award, which ultimately went to Battlefield 2. Psychonauts also won the award for Best Writing at the 6th Annual Game Developers' Choice Awards. So, I think it's a great way to kind of conclude that, and, and a great way to say, hey, best game you didn't play, like as an award for this, because as we've seen through a lot of the in-depth talks we had in development and just this huge passion project from Tim Schafer, I think it's great to delve into not only that, but Derek, outside of the idea of like it being the best game or possibly not the best, let's let the people know, why did we choose to cover Psychonauts and what did you think of it? Well, I mean, for the quote, I am the milkman, my milk is delicious. That alone. <laughs> of course. That's that's enough right there. I mean, what a what an absurd thing. I, I assume that's something you just overhear. It's like you're in your own conversation. It just dulls enough to where you hear someone else in their own conversation. That's what you hear from that. Just one of those absurd moments that you probably can't forget. You got to put it in the game. 
Of course. Oh, yeah. Got to do that. So I, I what I like about this game and Brutal Legend is the creativity and uniqueness. I mean, these are games that I think conceptually are really awesome. And what like we really want when we're thinking about new video game franchises. We don't mm-hmm. want rehashings of old concepts all the time. Of course, we like specific genres of games. You know, we like the shooters. We like the action-adventure games. And they've all got their own little twists. But I feel like games like Brutal Legend and like Psychonauts just take that to a whole new level of yeah. uniqueness. Now, that also means, of course, they're going to be polarizing. And you're going to see that critical failure because it is a, a huge risk. And we see right now, I, I think we could do a whole episode on just how how the gaming industry is right now and how risk aversion really is a problem yes. within media as a whole right now. But a lot of really cool things about this game, and I find the time period in which it was released really a fascinating part of this game's development as well as gaming history. I mean, you have the dot-com bubble going on, ending about bursting, you know, about the same time. I think that's really unique because they're in a sector of, you know, computer gaming. They're having to deal with, not like competing with those companies, but competing for office space on the West Coast with those companies, you know. That's a different type of issue than I think gaming companies would face today, of course because of how big gaming has become as a whole. I also think that it was really interesting to hear about Ed Freeze and Microsoft and their plans to be building that portfolio of unique games for the Xbox console. I think that's ultimately what led to so much of the success of the Xbox 360, because they put that emphasis in on the IPs. And yeah, Psychonauts did not make that list for them, but they had such a clear vision of the things that they wanted. And ultimately, they were successful for doing that. And I think that they did make the right decision based on what they were trying to do to not include Psychonauts as evidenced by the fact that it was not a commercial success. You mm-hmm. know, when you look at some of the other things they had going on, like Halo, like Gears of War, those franchises that really, I think, made you want the Xbox consoles. I think it was important to be really critical about what they were putting in there, so I get that. I also think it was really interesting that this is sort of the turning point for gaming companies as a whole. Like, Double Fine was very much being run, like, in the the old days of gaming production. You know, it was. It's not very organized and... They've got a homeless guy cleaning the front office just to help him out, you know. Yeah, it's it's very much that idea of old school bungee, of just like socks and underwear strewn about the office. You've got Chinese takeout. You've got pizza boxes everywhere. It's It's still in that early birth of video games where you're having these passion projects come in. You're having these smaller studios that are starting up and that can start to cover these games and has not been totally corporatized as we're seeing gaming studios today. And you're having multiple different developers and multiple publishers like Majesco, this random publisher that's like, yeah, 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 we'll go ahead and drop the cash to get this game out there. You know, whereas right now you're seeing like 
five or six big publishers, and that's kind of it. Yeah, and, you know, poor Majesco basically, you know, funds this game, gets it built, just does it a little too early because then all the digital, you know, availability Mm -hmm. really helps sell this game and, and make it more successful. And it's sort of akin to me, like, cult classic movies. There are a lot of cult movies that just don't have success in the theaters, but time goes on. People look back at that stuff more fondly. You know, think about a movie like Fight Club. That's a movie that, when it was released, not really super well received, but that story, that whole thing has become so iconic and so referenced through pop culture that now Fight Club is one of those cult classic movies. I think that Psychonauts has that same energy for the video gaming industry, where at the time, we were looking to get into more realism. This game is more reminiscent to me of that, like, goofy, cartoonish, protagonist style of game. And we were moving away from that, like you said, in those grays and browns and that grittiness. And people wanted that at the time. So when you get Psychonauts, and it's the super colorful imaginative abstract concept where you're using psychic abilities and mm-hmm. running around and it's a game based on humor. I mean, those kind of games were the things that I think we just wanted to move on from at that time. But now that we've had a little bit of distance from that, we're able to appreciate that era of gaming a little bit more. And you're seeing a lot of those colors at the time. like That's what differentiated, I guess, kids' games from adult games. Adult games are like this devoid of color serious murder death type stuff and then i I think one of the best things to take away from it and it's it's where we see i think the the quote-unquote new microsoft the microsoft of like the 2018 2019 that was starting to buy up independent studios which is a whole another topic for a whole another episode but it is that games is art it is the taking the chance at purchasing double fine it is taking the chance at getting these smaller studios that have these niche games and going back to the quote of like, listen, we're trying to do games as art. This this initiative that we're trying to bring in with with the Xbox. This we're, we're entering not a saturated market, but an incredibly developed market that Sony, Sega, and Nintendo already have. What can we bring to the table? So it's taking chances on studios like Bungie. It's taking chances on studios like Double Fine to try and get these at the time, niche-style games that have a lot of color or have a story to tell that kind of hasn't been told. And having Psychonauts, which is an action platformer, it's been done time over time again, but in a way that is bringing humor, but also bringing very in-depth things of like, hey, you're jumping into the psyche and brain of other people to deal with literal baggage, but in a way, it's their mental baggage or to deal with you know, these things of mental health, which also think of the mental health idea of like between 03 and 05, not really a true discussion. It is the, the idea of like, oh, you're going to deal with people at an insane asylum. That's where mental health stuff goes. And not yeah. having that true talk of like how we talk about it, you know, 20 years later, that was kind of ahead of its time in those, those ways of, of dealing with it. And also to talk about conspiracy theories. And to see how like that whole thing of like, we're going to dive into the mind of this crazy with it. And it's, it's such a neat way to explore it. And I remember as a younger, younger version of myself seeing Psychonauts (laughs) come out and it was one of those that I thought was cool, but you're competing in a very hot market of 
Microsoft games of Halo, Gears of War, Fable, all these different huge titles that were coming out at the time that you did get drowned out in a retail market that didn't have an online delivery system yet. And that's really, I think, where Psychonauts and Tim Schafer's whole product line really suffered. I mean, talking about Brutal Legends, we did an episode on that. And Brutal Legends is a very fun game. Does it suffer some issues? Sure. But does it pass that fun factor? Absolutely. And if these had had those digital distribution lines that early on, I think you would have seen an uptick in people who had played it at the time, not as a classic game, but as like, oh, this is a fun indie game that me and my friends can talk about very much like how I personally play games today, where it's like, oh, new indie's coming out. Let me pick it up. Yeah, and I think that summing this game up really as just a game ahead of its time is Mm -hmm. probably the perfect description for it. I mean, for me, this game is like a 6 out of 10 because of a lot of those things. I think being ahead of its time and, and just being sort of like soured on this style of game just because of like, yeah, it has that uniqueness, but the the comedic feel and all that stuff. Personally, yeah, I was ready to move on from all that yeah. stuff. But I think that if this game gets released in 2023 in that indie mindset, like you're saying, that it's a, a much better game. Um, I, I think that visually there's a lot of cool things that could be done with it. Of course, you know, there's a recent sequel, but but it's different to rehash a game, not relaunch mm-hmm. it to, you know, to give it that sequel than to say, here's a fresh concept that's never been done before. Let's address mental health. Let's address all these things and really like dive into that. I think that if that was a fresh concept today, this game does a lot better, is a lot more appealing commercially. But for me, it's kind of like if Tim Schafer, what if he had the forethought of like James Cameron with Avatar, where he's like, I have this amazing idea, but I know that we're not there yet. I really want to do it, but I just know that we're not there yet. We are going to get there. I see it happening, but not right now. And he releases that game for the first time. Are we talking about this game entirely differently? And I think that we are. But that's my review. What about you? No, I, I think that's exactly it. And I think Tim Schafer is a creative genius in his own right and knows what he wants and knows how to put that out there. And, you know, the talkings of all the other Double Fine games is some of, like, my favorites. Not in terms of, like, is this game insanely groundbreaking? Is this game going to be the next top dog that, like, dominates the charts? No. I don't think they ever will be. Is it a very fun, thought out, creative game that can take away a couple hours of your life and you get away from it being like, that was fun. I enjoyed that. That was a cool concept idea. Absolutely. Like with Broken Age, Broken Age takes them back to their roots in point and click adventure. And you play through it actually playing two different characters in two different areas who eventually meet telling this really beautiful story. It is such a really interesting game, and I'm a sucker for point and click, like Day of the Tentacle, um, Secrets of Monkey Island, stuff like that is just very fun. It allows you to input humor in a way that, that kind of drives what the game is. I think Tim Schafer has done that astoundingly, and I'm you know, ecstatic for him that he was able to get his you know, studio purchased by Microsoft and, and to be able to produce Psychonauts 2 
a game that he's been fighting for for 20 years. So I, I think that's so cool to see. So as a story in and of itself, I appreciate that. I think more than the game, sadly, in a way where it's like yeah. just what they're able to achieve and be able to bring that passion project to light and be able to make those sacrifices for it. So if I had to give it a rating, I would give it, um, I don't know, probably take care of yourself and know that you are loved as a person and know that this is a good way to talk about those things. And if you need to talk to anyone, you should talk to someone out of 10. Nice. I like it. I, uh, one thing I forgot to mention that I thought was kind of funny was like that they really addressed the aversion to water in this game. Yes. That's so reminiscent of that era of games too, where water was an auto death. So they felt the need to write that into the story and And use a, I love again, that's the creative, like cool thing of like, Hey, none of us know how to program around water right now. We're also a platformer. So like, it makes sense that you have perils if you fall. So I, yeah, I love that idea of like, guess what? Pull a family's cursed. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Research for this episode was done by Alex Kendall and Derek Baker. The intro and outro music was given to us by our friend Evan Barr, and our lovely artwork was provided by Aaron Shattuck. Beautiful people. Also want to thank the beautiful people over on our Patreon. You can check us out at patreon.com slash finish the fight, where we've got some cool physical and digital rewards, as well as some other things, some might say. And I want to thank a few select members today with Snide T-Bird, Nick Hyman, and Anthony Gooch. Thank you all so much for your support. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or most likely your favorite podcast listening platform. If you haven't yet, please drop us a review. It helps us out a lot. We love to hear from you. Also, if you are listening to us on the Spotify platform, you can participate in the Q&A section below. 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 Pillow. Below and below. Possibly also below. You never know. Rhymes all around. (laughs) You can also catch us over on Twitch. You can see me at twitch.tv slash sourman70. That is twitch.tv slash S-O-U-R-M-A-N-7-0, as well as Derek over at twitch.tv slash thebakerman247. That is twitch.tv slash thebakerman247. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. (laughs) You can also follow us on Instagram or you could join our Discord. It's free to join. Alex and I are hanging out there all the time. There's a link in the description below and we'd love to see you there. And with that, that has been our coverage of Double Fine's Psychonauts. What other niche games are you loving on or that hold a special place in your heart that we should check out? Are there any that you think have really succeeded or that you're like, hey, this is just mine. I like it. And that's all that matters. Let us know. As always, I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Mental Health Awareness. And this has been Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. Thank you.